Let's open with a word of prayer and we'll begin. Father, we just rejoice in your goodness and your grace and the authority of our Lord. And Father, now as we turn to our text before us, rejoicing in the coming of our Lord, when Christ, who is your life, appears and you will appear with Him in, in glory. We look forward to that day. We wish it was today. But evidently it's not right now. It could be before we finish today. But Father, we pray that um, as much as we, we look forward to that and we, we're excited about your coming, you've told us to occupy till you come. You've told us to go, as we learned this morning. Go in your authority. Father, now we are, as Paul turns, in light of the coming of our Lord, in light of who He is, this is the how we're to live. And Father, this is, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road for us. I mean, it's fun to talk about the returning of the Lord. It's fun to talk about you know, when you're coming, before tribulation, after tribulation, during tribulation, pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill, and those of us that don't know, we're just pan-mill. It's fun to talk about that. It's not fun to talk about mortifying the flesh. It's not, it's not fun to talk about putting these things aside for the glory of our Lord. Father, help us now as we turn and we look and that you teach us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Colossians 3, look at beginning in verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, or since, talking to the Christians there, since you've been raised with Christ, he says, first, seek things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we're to seek things above. Number two, set your mind on things above, that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Let's stop there. Last week, as I mentioned, we rejoice at the coming of the Lord. And as I said, we, we would wish it was today, but it's not. We live in this nasty world. Dr. Bob <laughs> Sr. used to say, we love to sing about the sweet by and by, but we live in the nasty now and now. Uh -huh. Right? It uh, can be messy, can it? This week was one of those. I had, I had the perfect illustration for this. We have a little dog. Uh, I'm so happy my, my daughter has a dog. <laughs> and I get to walk it every day. Okay, Usually twice a day at least. But Max is a clean dog. He, I can count on one hand. I can count on one hand prior to this week. The number of accidents. And I'm talking about the serious accidents. Okay, That he's had. He's always good about notifying us. Well, got up one morning... And I'm usually the first to get up. All I have to do is pour the water in the coffee maker and have it made. And I, I stagger over and sit down. I sit down in the dark because light bothers me early in the morning. So I sit in the dark. And about an hour later, Melody gets up. I have to make another pot. I've drank the first one. And she's sitting there and she goes, 
don't you smell something? <laughs> and I did. Eight. I didn't know that must waste could be in a dog that size. It was everywhere. Something was wrong. Put him out in the garage. He had the same accidents out there. That's a, but isn't that, that's a joy, isn't it? You ever cleaned up <coughs> mess like that? I mean, it just stinks to high heaven, and you just, that's part of owning the dog. And some of you are sitting there going, just shoot the dog. Just get away with the dog. Okay? Um, but we have, it's, it's a mess. We have, to, we have to do that. Babies are being born. Babies are nice and sweet. In fact, my, my uh, niece posted online some, some old videos of Lee Michael when he was little, teeny, seven months old, and another one when he's like about two years old. In fact, the, one that, the second one was about a few months before my dad died. I can't watch them. I mean, it's just not because it's Lee Michael, but because of, of dad. But, but you have those, you know, reminiscing over those, those things. But babies are sweet and they're nice to start with. <laughs> And then the Lord adds the smell to that stuff. And then they have one of those explosions where it's up their back. In fact, if I was ever keeping Lee, Michael at home, or Ashley, not very often, Ashley, I, I could promise you this is the kind of diaper I was going to inherit. Okay? For some reason when Melody left, it was just, it exploded. It was just everywhere, down her legs. And you've been there, right? Okay. Having kids is messy. And sometimes when they get to be teenagers, you trade the diapers for <laughs> teenage attitudes, right? Okay. Um, but working with people's mess. Uh -huh. If you're going to be a true friend, you've you got to take friends, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. If you're just a fair-weather friend, you're not, you're not a friend. That's right. A real friend is one that you can, you can share your heart with. A real friend who's a believer in Christ is one who... They don't condemn you. They're going to love you. They're, they're going to be the ones that are going to help pull you out of the ditch. They're the ones that are, are going to turn to you in their time of trouble. But even then, it's, it's messy working with people. Some have said if it wasn't for people, ministry would be a pretty good job. But ministry is people, isn't it? Okay. The reality is our own life is messy. Not just other people, it's, it's us. And I don't know if you live like that. You get frustrated with your own sin. You get frustrated with your doubting of the Lord. You get frustrated with your continual sins. Of, why do I have to keep asking forgiveness for the same sins over and over again? What is this power that it has over me? And of course we live in that, don't we? live under the power of the flesh. Truth be known, I think sometimes one of the reasons we really don't dig into the Scriptures is because we come under conviction by the Holy Spirit of the Scriptures that we've read. Through the word preached or, or read, we, we come across this thing, we need to be changed. The convicting power of the Word, even when it's about God, 
you know, Bob read that text. All authority is given unto me. That ought to be rejoicing. That's a rejoicing thing. But at the same time, it's convicting. Why am I fearful? If all authority has been given unto him, why am I fearful? You see, it's a, it's a positive thing, but yet it, it preached it brings conviction. We all live with certain appetites. And, I, and I'll apply it to food just a moment. We do. We, we, we love certain types of food. Ashley's already told me she'll be home in two weeks. Hamburger and a steak. And I don't care if you have to go kill it. Okay? I need something to eat. We teased her one time about having a sweet tooth. She said, I have a food tooth. Okay? We all have those types of foods. And, but we find out from our doctors that all food's good for us. Need to lose weight or our A1C is up. And problem is they let you know the week before your birthday. <laughs> and and Thyra's pecan pie is looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> or Glenda's, what is that thing called? There you go. Hmm. Well, the doctor can just wait. Okay. <laughs> Want to be great in heaven. We don't have to deal with that, right? I mean, everything will be good, but not everything's good for us. Sometimes we have medical needs that require change. Become diabetic. You can't eat those things. Our next door neighbor, Mr. Wood, is the ag shop teacher. His wife was an assistant principal to my dad. We, like I said, we live next door. I mean, we're just neighbors. They'd come over and shell beans with us after supper at night and everything. But Mr. Wood had a heart attack, smoked his entire life. Packs a day. He had a heart attack. The doctor told him, you're going to die if you don't put him aside. So I walked over one day sitting on the little stoop going up in his house. and He looked down and his wife still smoked. I don't know how that went, but his wife still smoked. And I said to him, Mr. Wood, do you still like cigarettes? He said, I could eat one. I want one so bad. I could eat one, but I can't. Paul has reminded us in this text that we've been changed. We've been changed by the fullness of God in Christ. We have been changed because our salvation in Him is complete. Our forgiveness is complete. Our victory in Christ is complete. We don't need anything else. We don't need to add uh, mysticism or asceticism or argue about festivals or new moons or the Sabbath. We don't need those things because we're complete in Christ. We've been saved. But we're still in this old flesh, aren't we? One writer said, and that's what we find in this chapter because of who Christ is and what He's done because of the fact that we are in Christ and complete in Him and in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We are complete in Him because of these realities of our life and death in Christ because we have everything we need. Therefore, we need to live consistently with that kind of identity. That's who we are. 
And it sets the standards of how we are to live. No, no matter how deep Paul goes in theology, no matter how high are his thoughts, no matter how sweeping his sort of holy reasoning or logic as he unfolds the great doctrine, he always comes back down off the mountain of these mysteries of God being explained down to the valley where we live. In the light of these glorious truths, there are certain ways we are to live. To sum it up down in verse chapter verse 17 of this text, and whatever you do in word or deed, in everything, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's the end. That's where we're to live. Everything you do, everything you do in word, everything you do in deed should be consistent with your identity in Christ and should be an offering of thanksgiving, giving to God the Father. That's how we are to live your lives. That's the sum of it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as an expression, as of gratitude to God the Father for what He's done. Amen. Now that means on the positive side that we need to live a heavenly life. And that's what we saw in the opening verses. Seek the things above. Set your mind on things above. The things that are heavenly. The, the virtues that belong to, being, to, to the perfect. The perfect God. The, the perfect believers. And the holy angels. Live above the world. Leave the world to reach the world. That was the message at last. Now the reality would tell us that's fine. We need to do that. We endeavor to do that. We live. We want to live in the heavenly. It's, it's great to talk about those. That's great. I, I, want, I want to talk about heaven. What it's going to be like to be with the Lord. We can live as we, in Christ consciousness. We've died with Him. We've risen with Him. We have been seated on the throne with Him. He is in us and we are in Him and we want to live in heavenly expression of those realities. And we're empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. But with all those lofty thoughts about living the risen life and living in the heavenly way, Paul comes down to the earthly realities with another therefore. If you're going to live the risen life, if you're going to leave the world to reach the world, if you're going to have to deal with what remains on the earth with... <coughs> of your sinfulness, that will require some dramatic and, cons and constant practical action of a strong nature. Verse 5, Therefore consider the members of your body as dead. Some translator says kill the members of the earthly body. It's not talking about some self-castration or flagellation or inflicting some unnatural wounds or inflicting on the physical body like the ascetics once did. It's not what it's about, but it is about crucifying the old flesh. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, If your right hand offends you, do what? Cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. That's not what He's talking about. It's being willing to do the radical to get, to, to get rid of your sin. It, it, it's, it's willing to do what's extreme for some. If you can't control your television, you need to get rid of it. If you can't control your computer and what you see on it, you might need to get a piece of paper and pencil. That's the radical part of it. It's recognizing, I've got weakness in this area and I don't need to set myself up for failure. 
I, I need accountability. I need something that's going to hold me to that. It's being willing to do that kind of operation. Being that far with it. It's to deal dramatically. To go to war against the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse, I think it's verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put it to death. If you're going to live the Christian life to the max, you've got to, you've got to be killing the deeds of the sinful nature. If you're going to live the risen life, that's the positive side. If you're going to have to be killing that which threatens it, that which pulls you down into sin, we are new creatures on the inside, right? That's right. We, we've been made new, but we're incarcerated in this flesh that has its own desires and its own passions. This, this inner man, this nephesh, the Old Testament calls it, is always moving towards desired objects. The problem is... It's about me. It's about fulfilling these things. And it happens the moment you wake up in the morning. And you have in your life, in your mind, what you're going to do that day to fulfill your desires and the first person that crosses it, woe be to them. Right? We're new creatures on the inside. But we still have remaining flesh on the outside. And the members of our body, the faculties of our body can be instruments of righteousness or they can be instruments of iniquity. But if we're new creatures, we want to be sure that, that, that we are instruments of righteousness. We have to be killing the remaining aspects of our flesh. That's part of living the Christian life, this writer says. Your members of your earthly body are the vehicles through which sin expresses itself. And by members, he doesn't just mean the physical body. He means all of our human capacities are still tainted with sin until we're glorified. You're going to battle this till you die. Paul said, O wretched man that I am. Present tense. He says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I ought to do. Romans 7. With my mind I affirm the law of God is holy, just, and good and I want to do that but I find another principle in me warring against the law of the mind and I feel like I have a body of death attached to me. That's the true expression. Yes. It's recognizing that. It's being honest about it. It's being honest that our flesh pulls us towards our designer lust, one writer called it. What appeals to one person may not have any pull on you whatsoever, but there are things, and you know what they are. Your flesh towards some desired object, and you've battled it for years. It's a failure to recognize. I'm being honest about it. Can, can I stop here and just say something? Your elders are here to help you. We are here to help you. But not only is there a failure to recognize it or, or, or we, we mask it or we don't want to talk about it or worse, we protect it. 
We like our sin. We nourish it. We, we pet it. We, we, we feed it. And it's doing well behind the curtain that nobody knows. God knows. But there's another issue too. There's an indifference to that. An indifference to sin. Paul handled this too. Shall we go on sinning that grace should abound? What did he say? God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. We live in an age, even in our churches, that homosexuality is laughed at. I remember Greg Allison, my pastor, saying back in the 80s, if God could get us to laugh at sin, it won't be long before it's accepted. That's where it started. There's a difference to be understood. I'm not accepted by keeping the law, legalism, mysticism. But that does not mean, number two, that I am anti-law. Because of grace. So that I keep on sinning. Oh, God understands. That was said recently. It doesn't matter what I do. Jesus loves me anyway. There is truth in that. But there's a lie in that. We are not to ignore sin. We are to be killing sin. That's what I want to ask. How are we to live in light of verses 1 through 4? In light of what we are in Christ? In in light of His glorious appearing one day? How are we going to live? In fact, He says something in verse 3 that sounds good, but I don't know that we have a clue what He's talking about. He says in verse 1, Seek things above. He says in verse 2, Set your mind on things above. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't go to work and I sit around thinking about heaven all day? To seek. Continual action. Seek and keep on seeking. Matthew chapter 6, very quickly. You you don't want to turn here, just listen. Matthew chapter 6. And we'll move quickly. Because I'm on page 3 of 12 pages and we ain't going to make it. Matthew 3, verse 33, I think it says, uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? Or, or even, even John, chapter 5. Uh, John writes in, in John 5, verse 44, how do you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek the glory that comes from God? What what does that mean? Seek. To search for. To desire. To strive after. Seeking to find. Or Set your mind on things above. That was the other thing he said in verse 2. He says, set your mind on things above. To think, have an inner disposition. To set and keep on setting. 
How do I do that? I call it sometimes, it's in the clouds. I, I don't know what that means. It's like telling somebody, your, your kid just got a bad report, you're in the emergency room, and somebody says, well, don't worry. What does that mean? Melody was in the hospital when she had her diverticulitis episode. And I walk in there Sunday morning. She got to put in her Saturday. I walk in there Sunday morning and they're preparing her for surgery. And we're going to cut out a section of her, her intestines and put a bag on her and we don't know if it's cancer or not. Don't worry. What does that mean? Here's what we do if we're spiritual. Well, see, I'm not worrying. I'm just anxious. <laughs> of course, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. So you're already nailed again. Okay? So we change the words, don't we? Sounds more righteous than worry. We're concerned. What does it mean? Don't worry. What, what, even that, what does it mean? Don't be anxious for that. I promise you, God can put you in a position that you're going to be anxious. Mm-hmm. He will. Mm-hmm. Okay? All you got, Tim. Yeah. But it sounds like don't be anxious or set your mind on things above. It's like, don't think about that. That's all I can think about. <laughs> or. Somebody over there has got pink hair or something. Don't look. <laughs> I've got to look. What does it look like to seek and to set your mind on things above? That's the question. Well, he gives us the answer in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires covetousness which is idolatry. I'm going to go quickly. Put to death. Make as dead. Render weak. Impotent would be a word you could put in there. To view as a corpse. I think if you have a King James Bible it probably says mortify the flesh. Consider as dead. We're, we're to make a resolution to put sin to death to bring the flesh under subjection to the spirit and be filled with this new disposition we're to mortify it we're to stand against it It, it's to recognize the enemy here's our picture it's it's pretty clear right now who the who the enemy is maybe in Israel. We're we're sort of able to identify. Sometimes we don't we didn't know who remember when we got attacked, we weren't quite sure who the enemy was that attacked us. You know who the enemy is. You know that part of your flesh that's not right. You know it. And he's telling you to put it to death, kill it. Yes. 
And he gives us these examples here, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. We're going to talk about those in a minute. And in the following list, even further down, we, we end up all the way through verse 11, we end up with, with several categories. Number one, he deals with sexual sins committed um, corporally or, or, or with others, you could say. You could, you could say it's perverted love if you wanted to. In verses 8, we have, in verses 8 and 9, we have personal attitudes that need to be corrected, or you could say it perverted hatred. You could call it the same thing. And number three, the sins aimed at the fellow believers, starting in verse 9 through verse 11. You could say it this way, the first part is what we do, the second part is what we say. We could divide it another way, the first part's personal, the second part's social. To mortify. We cannot eradicate the sin nature, but we can treat it as a morally impotent force in our lives. I'm not ruled by my flesh. There was a movie in which a guy was training people to shoot, and they were missing, they were everywhere, and he says with passion, you got to hate what you're shooting at. Hate it! That's it. You've got to hate that part of your flesh. You must respond negatively to the impulses of sin nature to use physical parts of your body for illicit purposes. You've got to fight it. Let's define them real quick. Just a few minutes. First one, sexual immorality. Fornication. Part of the word we get the word pornography from. Two parts, the selling of bodies, this prostitution, of any kind or secondly any kind of sexual sin that's unlawful. Any type of sexual activity outside the marriage bed between a man and a woman or you can even enlarge that between two people. Turn with me to a couple of texts. Acts, start in the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 15. Turn there with me. Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 20. Acts chapter 15, verse 20. It's not the first time this comes up. Acts chapter 15. But should we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and for that which is strangled from and from blood? Verse 29 of the same chapter. That you abstain from that which has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul also talks about it to this church at Corinth. He calls them to task about what's going on in the church. And in verse 1 he says, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1, it's actually reported there is sexual immorality among you and of the kind that is not tolerated even among pagans for a man to have his father's wife. Chapter 16 of the same book, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it's talking about the lust of the flesh. Really? The deeds of the flesh? 
Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 4 says that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and in honor. To abstain, to control the flesh from any sex outside the bond of marriage. Now listen, when I was growing up, the only place you could find this was on the bathroom wall in high school. Or somebody would bring a magazine. Now it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. I remember Melanie and I, we just first got our first computer. My brother, who's now with the Lord, helped us get it. It was during the days of... Remember that? Okay. Dialing on. Okay. And my brother said, be careful, you can get in trouble. And I thought, well, I'm not. But we kept the computer right there. Well, one day, Mel and I were, somebody told us, listen, you can order like beauty rest mattresses and get it shipped to the house cheaper than you could buy it anywhere else. So we clicked on, did a Google thing, and typed in their mattresses. The first one came up, says mattresses at a discount. We clicked on it. That won't mattresses. And Melody screamed. And I backed out, backed up, and I thought, okay, I must have done something wrong and clicked on the same blue part again. It won't match. I'd like to know what percentage of people have viewed stuff on online. I bet it you'd be unbelievable. Because some of it's just, some, sometimes it can be by accident. We know how now, don't we? We know how to erase our search history. We can hide it. You've got to kill it. What's that mean, Pastor? Put your computer in the middle of the house. At our house. All of my text, everything I go through goes on an Apple computer and it's sitting in the middle of my house. My wife can see every text, every email anybody sends me. Now you can send them and she recognizes from you. She's not going to read stuff. But any search, anything I do, is on, that's for my protection and as well as i got nothing to hide. Okay? You need to go that far. That's right. What am I doing? You're killing it. You're mortifying it. Sexual immorality. Secondly, impurity. I'm going to go quickly. Impurity. Uncleanness. A filthy mind. Sensual, suggestive thoughts or humor, according to Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 4. The word is also used, this was interesting, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 24, where he's talking about God gave them up in these areas. In verse four, 24 it says, And God gave them up in the lust of their own hearts to impurity, to this honoring of their bodies among themselves. It's perverted fantasies. Kill it. Passions, he says. Some of your translation might say inordinate affections. It's depraved passions. It's lust. 
It's uncontrolled desires. It's to use someone for your own self. That same text in Romans chapter 1, it says, verse 26, And for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for that which is contrary to nature. Verse 27 says the men did the same thing, talking about homosexuality. There's a difference between passions and love. There's a difference between what he's talking about here in sexual immorality and the marriage bed in 1 Corinthians 7. Because in 1 Corinthians 7, it's not about who. It's not about you. It's about your wife. It's about your husband and their rights and meeting those things to keep them from being tempted. Totally different. In our, in our, it's all about me. It's what I want. It's the gratification of my flesh. Listen, creeps on our homes. Is it hot in here? Right? Evil desires, wicked desires, the motivation by sin nature, executed by evil ends. One writer says this, Immorality is the product of evil thoughts. Sex is the behavior... Sex in behavior is the result of sexual sinful thoughts. You control your mind and you control your sexual conduct. And remember, Paul is saying this to people essentially who came to come to Christ in a pagan world, an utterly pagan world in which all kinds of immorality was acceptable. Having concubines was acceptable. Having women for no other purpose than sexual fulfillment was fully acceptable. Pedophiles was acceptable. Homosexuality was acceptable. Relationships before and outside of marriage was virtually anyone was acceptable in the ancient world, in this pagan world. And in fact, much of it was part of their religion. There were temple prostitutes associated with false worship to accommodate these freedoms in immoral behavior. And so Paul is saying things to a pagan world that is frankly stunning. It's like, what? One woman, that's all? One man, that's it? It's like when we went back in 2012 and we did the series in Zimbabwe on loving your wife even as Christ loved the church and wives submitting to their husbands. They asked all the teenagers to come. We had 50 people. We usually had 10. We had 50 young people to come. In that culture, they still buy their wives. Bob mentioned this. And we're in there telling them you got to love your wife even as Christ loved the church. And they're looking at me like, What? are you talking about? You're to love her? Give your life for her? It was about five years later they had their first Christian wedding at Juma's and 500 people came to see what this was all about. This is the world that Paul is in even greater than that. The only acceptable sexual behavior is all that is between man and a woman who are married. That's it. That's right. And if you wanted a way, wanted to fall into immorality, then you'd have to make sure you don't have impure thoughts. Because if you cultivate impure thoughts, if you purposely put yourself in a position to expose yourself to things that are products to produce immoral thoughts or impure thoughts, you're playing with fire. And so you go through immoral, immoral behavior 
because it's because of what you're thinking about. We're going to stop there. We'll pick up with covetousness, which is idolatry. We'll talk about that next time. Let me, let me just look up here. We rejoice in the coming of the Lord. I pray it's today. But until He comes, we're to occupy, and part of that means putting to death, therefore, what is earthly in us. And if you don't, if you're going to say, well, it's not in me, you're a liar. That's right. Melody's dad said one time, he was talking about dancing, and he said, I don't want you dancing with my wife or my girls because of what it produces. And he says, and if it don't produce that, you might be the wrong kind. <laughs> you understand what he was saying? Okay. <laughs> to say that we're not affected by what we see, you're lying. Yeah. Sounds spiritual. It's not true. The question is, what are you setting before you? I will set no evil thing before mine eyes. Mm. Maybe that needs to go on the top of your computer. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. That's killing the flesh. Father, we thank you. Even for texts like this that are hard, we'd rather hear what Bob's again. We get thrilled about that. Although it causes us and calls us to forsake everything and go. In this text, it's about killing that which is earthly in us. Father, help us. Help us to love you more than we love our own sin. Help us to be serious about putting to death these issues in our lives that we would live lives acceptable to you so that we, whatever we do in word or in deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him to the praise and honor of His grace. Father, we thank You now for our fellowship around the table. Thank You for our food that we realize that we have received from You. May we be thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank You. You're dismissed.